Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Each week, we will take you inside the brightest minds of the most highly regarded executives in the world of enterprise-level revenue operations, marketing, and sales with a focus on the future while creating successful wins today. Now, here's your host, Justin Michael. Welcome back to Quantum Leap. I'm Justin Michael, your host, doing my best William Shatner impression on the neutral zone for Vendor Neutral. And uh, today on the show, we have none other than Mark Hunter, the sales hunter, uh, someone I've been following for years. Um, you know, I used to be a VP of sales and an RVP, and my job was to figure out how to crack into the enterprise. And so I needed to speak CMO or CRO or CCO. So Mark, welcome to the show. And uh, Let's kick it off. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that statement? <laughs> well, it, let's do it because there's a lot of business to be had out there. Despite the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, I don't care. There's business happening and there's a lot more happening than we realize, than we give, than we give credit to. That's really the case. So um, I'm also seeing in your background a mind for sales. I think there's a certain mindset, right? You were one of the first people to come out and say, you know, let's not stop, stop fighting. Let's keep selling. It's going to be okay. Let's go sell. I, I feel like I picked that up from you right as uh, this whole thing was unleashing. Um, how can people keep an optimistic mindset when like no one's answering their email or suddenly, you know, half your target list is going out of business? Yeah. Well, he, here's what it comes down to. It really is right now more than ever. It is the mindset that you have that is going to, going to determine the outcome that you get. No ifs, ands, buts about it. What I tell people is really two things. First of all, you're not selling anything. Nobody is selling anything because nobody really is buying anything. What they want is they want solutions. They want solutions. They want outcomes. That's what you're providing. And when I tell people who are in a funk, they say, man, I just, I, I just don't get them. What I want you to do is I want you to take a piece of paper. You write down all your customers on one side, on you know left-hand side. On the right-hand side, you write down all the outcomes. What are, not what you sold them, the outcomes that you, how did what you sell them, how did that benefit them? How did that get them to the next level? How did that, how did that help them? That's what you want to write. And, and when you look at that list, you're going to go, hmm, you know what? What's changed? Nothing. Nothing has changed. Now, okay, in the middle of the pandemic, there are some industries that are struggling. I totally get that. But there's a lot of other industries that are absolutely uh, blossoming. It's incredible. And what I want to do is I want to take those outcomes, those solutions, and I go, hmm, who else could they apply to? Who else? What are other organizations, other verticals, other channels that I might be able to move into? You see, for as many opportunities that came off the table, there are as many that came on the table. You just have to go out and find them. They're not going to come to you. They're not going to come to you. Because again, it's noisy. It's busy out there. But what we have the ability to do is we have the ability to go reach them. And we can when we come into them and approach them from a targeted approach. Because this is the outcome we can help you achieve. I love that. It reminds me of um, Craig Elias and the one sales analysis, but it's really, and what Mike Weinberg says too about, you know, let's get to know some of our good customers and find people that, you know, look, smell, and feel like the, the good customers. You just remind me of just so many great things. Um, 
We're talking a lot about enterprise transformation, digital transformation, and the transformation of sales. And this is something you know a lot about is helping big companies um, be innovative, disrupt themselves, or sell in a more customer-centric fashion. I'd love to hear some tie-ins to your new book, A Mind for Sales, and how enterprise sellers or sales leaders can deploy some tips. Um, could be mindset, could be tactics. Um, I've read a, of a lot of your books, and uh, I'm just a big fan. So yeah, how can uh, enterprises yeah. adapt? Well, let's let's run a little bit all over the place here, because here's what I'm finding. You know, not only are we in a SFH, selling from home environment, and that's generally what most people are doing right now. They're selling from home. But people are also in a BFH, buying from home. So this means the dialogue, the relationship has changed. We're also in still a very much of a, of a period of time where dialogue and communication just isn't happening at the normal level. I mean, in a normal situation, you and I probably, oh, excuse me, I was on an airplane this week. I did. I did actually make a trip this week, but it's funny. It was like unusual. Normally, in a normal situation, I'd be on planes every week. Yeah. You see, what's interesting is we have all been thrust behind this camera, behind this, this screen. But does it change the need for communication? Does it change the need for relationships? No, but it changes where it comes from. You see, typically in the past, we might have our relationships, our, our communication from people who we call our friends, okay? Because we're gonna go hang out with them at the bar tonight. We're gonna catch up with them at the game. But unfortunately, those things just aren't happening. So what does that mean? That means we have the ability to create communication and relationships through work, through professional settings. And when I tell salespeople, and I don't care what level you're selling at, but this is real at the enterprise level, empathy, empathy. Now, some of you are going to say, whoa, where the heck did that come from? Here's where I'm coming from. The pressure that people are under right now, because now they're having to make decisions, carry out meetings, carry out... In, in a very mm, dysfunctional manner, very strange manner. Now, we're getting better at this every week. I get that. But still, it means people want to crave and have a relationship. And what I tell salespeople right now, if you can demonstrate a little bit of empathy, and that's just understanding the customer's backstory, understanding their backstory. You know, it's very interesting, but the first couple of weeks, we were all concerned about, oh, I got to make sure that the dog is quiet. Got to make sure that the kids are quiet. Got to make sure. Now it's funny, but I, I, I have sales calls now and I hear a dog barking in the background. And my first comment is, hey, what kind of dog is that? What kind of dog is that? Yeah. What's your dog's name? You know, or you hear a kid, you hear a kid screaming or you hear a kid crying or something like that. Hey, that's great. How many kids have you got? What's it like? You see, what, what, what I want to do is I want to come into your environment, not stalking, not threatening, but come alongside you. And when I see salespeople do this, it's amazing how they create a connection, a dialogue. Suddenly the person goes, oh, okay, this is, this is, a, this is a good conversation. And what do they do? They open up more. You see, transparency is needed more than ever right now. And along with transparency comes authenticity. Don't fake it. Don't fake it. There's so much of that in the world already. So if I can, if I can come at you with transparency and authenticity, I have the ability to create confidence and trust. Boom.
now I'm on my way to having a relationship with you where you're going to be able to share with me what are the real critical needs that you have. That's so profound. I think I was in northern Idaho and I was with a, a customer who had purchased from me at several different ad tech companies. And it was the strangest thing. He just said, you know, the reason I want to do the deal is you. It has nothing to do with the company. And I thought of Jeb Blunt and people buy you. And I thought of your work with relationship building. I think people got... They got a little far off the field because they heard in challenger sales that you're not allowed to do the relationship anymore. But I think there was a, you know, and a, a whole generation of sellers might think that that you got to skip that. I think you got to build a relationship and bring insight, but you can't throw one out with the other. I mean, how do we manage this nuance where we want to challenge and reframe, but we also, uh, right? It's almost like a paradox. I think people are struggling with how to well, <laughs> deal with that. And, and and I don't see it being a paradox. When I have a relationship with you, I can challenge you more. Because I can challenge you more and your responses will be more authentic versus defensive. Yeah. And that's key. That is absolutely key. Because my whole objective is, let's not kid ourselves, anybody who sells anything, there's somebody else out there who, who is selling the same thing. I, I don't care who it is. The distinguishing difference is you, just as you said customers who bought from you because of you. And you see, what this means is that if I can create this, a level, this level of transparency and authenticity, I create a level of confidence and trust. Now, when you trust somebody, you're willing to share more information. And see, this is a key piece that we have to take and we have to do three level deep questioning, three level deep. What does this mean? It means I ask you a question, you share with me an answer, and I come right back and I ask you a, a question that builds on what you just shared with me, okay? Then you share, and then I, do, I, I repeat the process. I have to repeat this process three times. Now, this isn't an inquisition. No, it's because I'm inquisitive. I'm inquisitive, I wanna know. And because there's this level of trust and confidence, you value, where I'm going with the questioning. And you also value with the comments that you're sharing. What happens is you actually share with me more information. And you know what's interesting? We actually speed the sale. So many people say, well, gee, if I take time to create the relationship, I'm going to slow down the selling process. I go, no, 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 no. You actually speed it up and you create a higher level of profitability for you and the customer. Because you'll get a higher profit and the customer will, will see more value because of the trust that the customer receives because of what you share with them and how you help them. Yeah, so eloquent. You know, I just love listening to you speak because you're such a great delivery and you've built such an amazing brand. Um, you're in the top three on all of LinkedIn um, for B2B as far as follower counts. Now I share that. Well, thank you. I, I, I was not aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Top three on earth. It's, uh, it's uh, to last count. I believe it's Jill Conrath, you and Tony Hughes. It's been tough for the Australian authors to track in America. It's just a funny thing about being across the dateline, but uh, there's a really beautiful B2B community down in Australia. I hope you've been down there. Uh, oh yeah. Fans of yours. <laughs> I, 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 lo I love the city of Melbourne, although, man, have they gone through a brutal lockdown. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that, fires. I, I, I love Melbourne. Yeah. So I guess the question is, how did you make that transition? You know, because um, I'm a firm believer in TQ, which is technology quotient, and you have a high TQ, right? And anyone from any generation can bring that. You've been uh, just a content machine 
and really leverage LinkedIn like very few can. Do you have any tips? You don't have to like reveal your strategy. I don't know if it was like 40 VAs like Gary V or <laughs> you cracked it early. Like how did you do it? No, it, it, it's really me being me. See, again, it goes back to authenticity. You see, what we have to do, well, one of the things that I think rubs people the wrong way is when they see something emerge and a few months later, it's gone. Six months later, it's gone. A year later, it's gone. And consistency is at the core of everything. And you see, in this social media, internet-driven world, your reputation arrives before you do. Now, talking about my LinkedIn strategy and my social media strategy, it really has been built out over years and years of me just having a desire to share and communicate with people. Because I believe, see, here, here's the whole thing. I don't take what I do as from a, a, a view of scarcity. It's, it's abundance. The more information I share, the more information I learn. The more ideas I share, the more I learn. It is really about engaging in as many conversations because my objective is I want to be able to learn from everyone. You see, sales, sales is about learning. It, it really, what I want to do is I want to learn every day. Every day I want to be learning something. And I'm continuously amazed when I put a post out and I read it and I, well, there's some comments on it and there's some other things. And, and that sparks me to the next piece, next piece, next piece. But the whole thing comes down to it's being consistent in following through, consistent in delivery. And what does that do? That creates this level of transparency, transpar level of authenticity, which in turn creates trust. It's not, there's no secret sauce. It's just doing the work. Yeah. And, so, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I know you read a lot because you just reminded me of Stephen Covey because he wrote Speed to Trust and Seven Habits of Effective People. I mean, your stuff is one of the reasons I think you're one of the best in the industry is there's a timelessness to it. Um, you know, it was something I really struggled with when I wrote my book is I was going to write about tech stacks. And the best part about writing about technologies in three years all the, all the text merged and gone. And so I, what I like about your writing is it's, I feel like you could pick up your book in a hundred years as we're still doing the same thing. Our brains haven't changed that much. Um, who inspires you though? Um, when you're thinking about modernizing your sales or improving your sales, like I'm always curious where the thought leaders go. And some people say, well, the best books aren't sales books at all. It could be biographies of Winston Churchill or what have you. But like, what, what inspires you, uh, Mark, when you're on the road and, uh, looking to get ideas. Yeah, you know, you know, it's interesting. Uh, what, what inspires me is watching the leadership of other people. Leadership of people in government, in politics, in society, and so forth. And you watch their communication skills. You, you, you examine, you learn, you observe. And it's very interesting, but you know, I, I, you've heard me say the line, sales is leadership, leadership is sales. The great salesperson's a great leader. The great leader's a great salesperson. So I'm always continuously watching how do other people handle things. And you know what's very interesting? So many times the best situations are from people who you least expect. I'll share with you an example. With an example, it's a Southwest Airlines story. 
go back about 15, 20, 20 years ago now, maybe, this was actually before the miracle on the Hudson, okay? This, this was before the, the um, America West plane landed, in the, or the U.S. airplane landed in the Hudson River. And uh, I was getting on a Southwest Airlines flight out of LaGuardia, going to Chicago, okay? So a lot of parallels between this and that U.S. air flight. And it's interesting, but as I sat down on my seat, I noticed that there were a couple mechanics dealing with, with, with the wings of the plane. And no big deal. And plane loaded. And the captain came on. Now, if you've ever been on a Southwest Airlines plane, you know it's just a single cabin. The captain could have addressed all of us from the flight deck, but no, he did it from the front of the plane. He said, ladies and gentlemen, I really apologize, but we're gonna be a few minutes delayed here because on our way in, we struck a couple birds and the mechanics are just checking the wing out to make sure it's okay. But we're gonna get you to Chicago, it's Friday afternoon, we're gonna help you make all of your connections on time. Now, if you've ever flown out of LaGuardia Airport on a Friday afternoon, you'll know it's code for you're gonna miss your connection. You know you're gonna miss your connection. Now, what's very interesting is, suddenly in the back of the plane, somebody yelled out, what kind of bird? And the captain, without missing a beat, said, dead bird. Now, the, place just, the plane just roared. I mean, it just roared with laughter. It was absolutely hysterical. I mean, it was funny. And, and the guy said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll get going. And it, here's, here's where it came. Here's where it came. About 10 minutes later, we taxi out. And we taxi out, and he comes on. And I, have, I used to live in New York, so I've flown in and out of LaGuardia thousands of times. And he comes on, and he says, well, good news is we're on our way to Chicago. Bad news is we're like number 33 in line. Now, if you've ever been number 33 in line, that means you're going to be there a while, especially at LaGuardia Airport. And you know what's interesting? In a normal situation on a Friday afternoon, you would hear ding, 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 as everybody's pushing their button saying, hey, get me off this plane. Get me off this plane. Get me off this plane. Nobody said a thing. Everybody was cool. Everybody was cool. And if I'm one of the flight attendants, because simply when people are digging their buttons, flight attendants, they can't do anything about it. We're not going back to the gate. You're on this plane. You're going to Chicago. You're going to miss your flight. It's okay. And people complaining. And if I'm one of the flight attendants, I'm going, you know what? I love this captain. I love this captain. Because we may be number 32 in line, but he diffused the situation with a little bit of eye-to-eye -eye contact with how he communicated about the delay and a little bit of just humor. He just played on, played on the actions. You see, what's interesting is leadership emerges in the moments in time when we least expect it from the people we least expect. This is what I think makes salespeople so valuable because we have the ability to communicate with a customer and create an impact that they never expected. We have the ability to create an experience that they never expected, an outcome they never expected. What does that do? That creates a lifelong customer. That's what I, that's what I strive for. That's what I look for. Yeah, that's so well put. Humor is a, it's a definite weapon. Like when I think about writing emails, leaving voicemails, reaching out on LinkedIn, uh, people typically have a pretty good sense of humor. I always get this pushback like, well, but if you use it, there's a risk. But there's a lot of tasteful humor that's just fun and quirky and corny, you know, like little New Yorker cartoons. <laughs> it, it's letting your person, see, sales is, is H to H, human to human. 
And let your personality, un unless you're the weird aunt or the crazy uncle, let your personality come through. And what I found is it defuses the situation. It helps people to feel more comfortable, more relaxed. And what happens? It's better dialogue. It's better dialogue. It's amazing what, when people feel comfortable, it is amazing how much more information they'll share. Let's get strategic about enterprise sales leaders in the pandemic. They want to improve their sales results right now. I know this is something that you can help with them with. Uh, shameless plug. I, I truly do believe you can. But yeah. advice from a strategic level or tactical level right now. Some people have said, redo your ICP. Make sure you go and your target list isn't the same and your messaging isn't the same. But what are some steps, one, two, or three, or just your advice? Because we have a lot of C-levels listening, uh, VPs of sales, some leaders. We have marketing folks trying to give the right content to the sales folks. There's just this shift. If you don't make a dramatic change, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell people, slow down to speed up. Go get everybody in a room, get a whiteboard, and start rethinking this thing. Uh, but we all have to make our numbers and still hit quota. So it's like, you know, you're flying the plane, and then you're going to start crawl out on the wings, start redesigning the plane. It's, it's so hard at the momentum. Uh, some of these companies, especially in high tech, I mean, you're moving at 200 miles an hour, and I'm saying slow down. But um, what, how would you advise? Uh, this is a giant question, but I'm pretty sure you'd be yeah, ideal for this. There's two things. First of all, hone in on your ICP, your ideal customer profile. That's without a doubt. But again, I hope we're past that. But I want companies to embrace, I want sales teams to embrace, is what I call the nine pain strategy, the nine window pane. You can call it the 12 window pane. You can do whatever. But I want you to visualize a window, an old-fashioned window that has got a series of window panes. And we'll say it's nine. Okay, so it's you got three across the top, then three in the middle, and then three panes of glass down below. And what you want to do is you want to look at that enterprise customer as being that nine pane window. Your objective is to sit there and say, okay, I want to find nine contacts, nine people that I'm going to assign one to each one of those panes. And I'm going to put three people down at a little lower level. Three people at probably what I feel is the decision-making level, the impact level, and three at what I'll call one step above the decision-maker. Probably not the CEO of the company, depending on what you sell, but just one step above what I call the aspirational influencer. Okay, this is aspirational that we want to have a contact, we want to have a relationship with them, but they're the influencer because chances are when the decision's made, chances are they may not be critically involved, but they're probably going to sign off on it. They're probably going to have some influence. So what I do is I create this nine box window pane. Now for a large company, it might be 12. It might, you can make it whatever size you want. But what I want to do is this. I start at the bottom on, on the lower three. Now I'm not selling. I'm not selling. I'm, I'm getting Intel. I'm getting Intel. And I start this process and I start this process two or three or four weeks. Okay. And I may only ultimately create a relationship with one of those three people. Totally get it. See, that's why we may have to go 12. We may have to go 15 pain. But then after three or four weeks, then I start on the middle pane. And my objective here is to create a real, now I've got a little bit of lower level Intel that I'm now playing off on this mid-level. And then after a few weeks of that, then I start on the top tier. What I'm doing is I'm trying to create relationships and dialogue at multiple levels of the organization. Why? Because I hear different messages. I hear different things. 
Second of all, I'm trying to understand my whole role. My whole role is not to complete one cell. My whole role is to com complete one cell that leads to the next cell. See, so what I want to do is I want to create this network. Now, as I develop this relationship, I'm now taking this nine pane and I'm creating a new nine pane. And each one of those panes is a key piece of information that I'm learning, a key piece. And I've, so I now got this one set of nine panes of people, this one set of nine panes that I'm building out. Oh, by the way, I'm doing that for each individual person. So I may have three or four of these, but this is giving me intel that now I'm asking questions off of that. I'm building off that. What does this do? It allows me to create this roadmap to being able to create a meaningful dialogue. You see, because if I don't spread my wings enough at the enterprise level to start with, there may be somebody who shows interest, but it's gonna be purely from a price standpoint and they're gonna push me over to purchasing. You see, oh, by the way, all of the nine people I identified, nobody, nobody is in purchasing. No, no, no. I, at enterprise level, I never, when I hear companies say, well, we're reaching out to the purchasing departments. I go, please people, you're killing me. Purchasing only buys, they don't use, they don't benefit, they don't create outcomes. You have to go to the, the, the department, the person who is gonna receive the outcome, the benefit. I know I'll probably wind up in purchasing, but I want to get to purchasing as late as possible because yeah. that's when the transaction is finally, finally going to get done. I love that metaphor. We only have a few more minutes. I try to keep these concise. Um, tell me about training. We're in a renaissance of learning management systems. You know, you saw lynda.com become LinkedIn learning. You got the micro communities. My question is just any advice on how to remotely train sales teams um, from the sales hunter? Yeah, he, here's two things that if I'm a sales manager, here's what I want to do. I want to be continuously having a book that my team is reading, okay? And now this may not be active, but it might be that, hey, this is the book we're going to read this quarter. Maybe it's the six months. I don't know what it is. It is like you have to make it the book of the month club. I, no, you just, but, but you and you as a sales leader have to be continually sharing. Hey, here's what I learned. Hey, here's a website. Here's a, here's a blog post that was really meaningful. Here's something. And what you want to do excuse me, is you want to create an environment where your people want to learn 24-7. As a sales leader, you want to be challenging your people with these two questions. One, what did you learn today? What did you learn? When you're having your one-on-one your -on -one phone calls with them, you want to ask them, what did you learn today? Not, not about an individual customer, but about the industry. And then you're going to ask them, How's, how are you going to use that tomorrow? How is that going to help you sell more efficiently tomorrow? You see, what I want to do is I want to get beyond just the, the training to where it becomes a lifestyle, where I'm continuously learning. If you look at a Bill Gates, you look at an Elon Musk, those people are continuously learning. They don't say, oh, well, gee, today's my learning day. No, 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 no. They're continuously learning. That's what you want to create for your organization. And I, you have to demonstrate that. I agree with that. That's why I continue to read Mark Hunter's blogs and his books. And it doesn't matter how much I think I've mastered sales. I always feel like it's day one, the beginner's mind. Um, I could talk with you for days of hours. It's such an honor and pleasure to have you on the Quantum Leap for Vendor Neutral. I want everybody to go buy A Mind for Sales uh, by Mark Hunter. You know, let's keep our mindset high and get our revenue going. Um, 
where can people find you? It's right on the screen, the saleshunter.com, but anything else to mention um, as we point people to you here? Well, it, it is the sales hunter. Hunter is my real last name. People always ask me, no, that was my real last name. So the saleshunter.com is the website, but hey, jump out to my YouTube. Oh, gee, kind of called the sales hunter. Got that. I'm all over LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm out there as Mark Hunter. And what I want to do, what I like doing is I like communicating and dialoguing. I'm continuous exchange. If you want the book, best place is to go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any place books are sold. And it is a mind for sales. Because now more than ever, you do have to have a mind for sales. You're the real deal, Mark, and you're going to continue to uh, lead the vanguard for sales. Uh, we're very lucky to have you innovating. I spoke to Keith Eads, and he recently retired and went to real estate. And I'm still twisting his arm to come back out of retirement and do more solution selling. I'm a big fan of, of all the, the leaders like you. Have a wonderful day, and thanks for being on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, and great selling. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Be sure to visit VendorNeutral.com where you can access the show notes, discover many valuable free resources, and subscribe to the podcast.